0: Presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. Today is September 30th. If you are listening to it on the day we were uh, released, Uh, DJ Dylan Jesperson here, joined as always by DH Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing, my man?
1: I am doing wonderful. I'm like on top of the world. Uh, There's a song, I'm on top of the world. Hey, that's how I feel after this past weekend. Uh, Friday, I left West Kentucky to make the long journey with my family to Knoxville, Tennessee, to watch the balls and the Gators play on Saturday. The Friday started out with a bang. I'm on the road. We go to that gas station, uh, Bucky's that you see on TikTok. That it's it's crazy. It's a, What a place. But as we're in the parking lot, Albert Pujols, the greatest baseball player of all time, hit his 700th. Home run at Dodger Stadium. It was absolutely phenomenal. I lost my mind. I was watching the game on Apple TV on my phone, and I just started screaming. People looked at me like, "What is wrong with this guy?" I'm sure they thought I was on all kinds of substances or something. Nope, just Albert Pujols. That's the only substance I need, and he did it. He hit 700. It was awesome. And then Saturday, I talked about it last week Tennessee being this office, awesome atmosphere. Neyland Stadium was off the charts. Tennessee was great. I'll talk about that later. Titans one Sunday, and then. What about our boy Preston Rice transferring to Middle Tennessee State, and Middle Tennessee State went and beat the Miami Hurricanes. That was pretty cool. And uh, got some breaking news. Clay Matthews has officially retired from the NFL. Who would have thought in 2022? I thought he retired in, like, 2015. So the more you know. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Good and bad. Good because it's in the middle of football season. It's my birthday week. Uh, I've had a pretty decent week. But my like I told DH before we started, my allergies are going crazy right now. So I'm sorry if you can hear it in my voice or if you hear me sniffling it all day. Hopefully. It'll just be a quick week of feeling under the weather and then we'll be back to 100%. Uh, we have a fun show planned for you guys. Excited to be back on the mic and excited to get into this week's Out of the Box. Uh, this week, the Kansas State Wildcats did what the Kansas State Wildcats seemingly do every year and knock off Oklahoma. Uh, and they did that largely thanks to Adrian Martinez, a transfer quarterback who has had the magnifying glass on him since his days at Nebraska, now under... Now, fired head coach Scott Frost. Uh, now he's thriving, and he is the inspiration for this week's out of the box draft the best transfers in college athletics. Uh, let me get a coin get it going. I've got one. i oh, got, you got three got one. quarters
1: right here. Go I'll for give it. you a choice. We got Kentucky, North Carolina, or v- Vermont. Vermont and North Carolina are both 2001. Kentucky's 2016. I will go
0: with Vermont because I feel like Vermont. Kentucky might be a little bit weighted towards you just because it would maybe favor me. Uh, I'm going tails.
1: That's a heads. That's George Washington right there. Um, Go for it. You can have the first pick.
0: Okay. Uh, This is a very, uh, when I gave this idea to Dylan, I I thought like I might, we might need to open it up to trades and transfers because I thought maybe college transfers might be a little bit like, there's actually a ton of college transfers that you can go through and a lot of really, really good ones. Uh, I think, uh, with the first pick, like there's there's a one and there's a 1A. Whoever you take, you can just take the other one. I don't know if you know if you're going that same way. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow because I think he is the one that I think sticks out in everyone's mind. He's the most recent, that guy. Uh, transferring from Ohio State to LSU and then going on to have, you know, just one of the greatest college uh, seasons of all time. Uh, I have stats pulled up somewhere, but we all know what Joe Burrow did with that LSU team uh, going on to win uh, a national title with uh, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL now. Uh, But you know, People forget he lost the job to Dwayne Haskins in the in the off season going into the Ohio State year, uh, and then he had a really rough year at LSU his first year. A lot of people were saying he wasn't, you know, he was just another LSU quarterback that couldn't really throw the ball. And then all of a sudden, uh, here comes Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, throwing for five thousand six hundred seventy one yards and sixty touchdowns in a year. So uh, I think if you're talking about transfers uh, a lot of times you think about those quarterbacks that go on and they succeed at other places. And I don't think anyone uh, encapsulates that like Joe Burrow. So happy to have him with my first pick. I'll throw it to you for your uh, first couple picks.
1: When I was putting my list together this morning, cause I, I like to do where I just think of guys, whenever we decide what we're doing, I, I think like what comes to mind first and I'll write that down and then I'll do a little bit of research. Cause I'll just see who I missed who didn't come to my mind. And I had like, I had, I actually like a pretty long list for this one. Joe Burrow completely slipped my mind for some reason, because I don't think of Ohio State when I think of him. I just think LSU, so I kind of I kind of forgot. Obviously, once I saw the pictures of Joe Burrow, I was like, yeah, of course he's got to be on there. And he instantly became like a 1A, 1B type scenario with the guy I'm going to pick first, and it's Baker Mayfield. I don't know if that's who you were thinking of, but that Baker's the guy that instantly came to mind for me when you, you brought up the transfer idea, and it's because what Baker did. He started at Texas Tech. And um, he was a walk on and the things he was able to do in one season at Texas tech, y- you were able to see what Baker was uh, from an early time when he was a red Raider. And then all of a sudden he decided to transfer to Oklahoma. There were weird things going on was a walk on for a little bit at Oklahoma, if I'm correct. And then, obviously, after sitting out a year, won that starting job and just became absolutely electric for the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, took them to the playoffs with Austin, to Georgia uh, in the year that Georgia played to Alabama in the national championship. Won a Heisman, ended up becoming the number one pick. Uh, the things Baker was able to do, taking advantage of walk-on rules, transfer rules, all that, to create an just incredible legacy at Oklahoma and in college football. I mean, he's got to be one of the best college football players in the last decade, if not more. Like, I don't know how you would rank him, but Baker was incredible at Oklahoma. And he's the guy that I think of when it comes to transfer and, like, the best transfers of all time. For my second pick, I might be uh, cheating a little bit, but I'm going to count it because he started somewhere and ended up somewhere else. I'm going with Cam Newton. He went from Florida to Blinn College and then to Auburn. And uh, Cam Newton obviously won a national championship at Auburn and the Heisman and maybe had, like, the best season ever for a single player. Uh, Joe Burrow, I I think that LSU team – and as a passer, Joe Burrow probably had the best season ever. Uh, That LSU team was incredible. But what Cam Newton did as an individual at Auburn is unbelievable. The things he was able to do to just will that Auburn team to victories, not only victories, to a national championship – Beating Alabama that year, beating Oregon in the national championship, uh, it, the things Cam was able to do is incredible. Even Auburn fans will admit, like if Cam Newton hadn't been there, they go like six and six, and I, I think that's probably true because that team they had good players, but it was it was Cam Newton's show. They had Nick Farley, and that <laughs> that was about it. There was not much on that team, so the things Cam Newton was able to do were absolutely incredible. So. I'm going to go with Cam Newton. He's I've talked about it before. He's one of my favorite college football players of all time. That's not a Tennessee volunteer. So no brainer for me, Cam Newton and Baker Mayfield for my first two picks. I'll throw it to you.
0: Uh, Cam Newton was actually my one B. So it's not cheating in my mind. If I didn't go with Joe Burrow, I was going to go with Cam. And uh, I had Baker Moore in the, the, the Oklahoma tier of, you know, there's there's, th- there's a bunch of guys you can take from Oklahoma. I do think Baker's probably the best of of the three that you could go with, though. So I uh, definitely love those two picks. Uh, I'm going to go to basketball, my only basketball pick. I had a lot of college football picks, but I did have, in my research, I, I, I looked it over. I was like, which there's got to be a basketball player out there that I want to get on this list. And there's actually a really good bias pick that I can take. It's Duncan Robinson. The, the, the three point shooter, you guys all probably know him as the, the sharp shooter that didn't play much in the playoffs for the Miami heat for whatever reason that may be, but uh, has, Lit the NBA on fire since he got drafted out of Michigan. And many people don't realize he was at a D3 school to start his career. Williams College. Uh, John Beeline, one of the great stories of John Beeline's career is finding a guy like Duncan Robinson. Just going, hey, I think this guy might be able to play D1 basketball. And he, actually, he absolutely did it for three years at Michigan. Uh, shot uh over 50% from the field in his time and 41.9% from three point range in 3 years at college i mean that's uh i don't care who you are uh hitting that type of hitting those types of numbers from three point range is, is stupid stuff uh average 9.3 points per game uh at and it, it, Doesn't sound like much, but he became uh, a really big part of those Michigan teams that you remember back, uh, you know, Jordan Poole and, uh, you know, the early years of Isaiah Livers and and the end of uh, John Line's reign is finding a guy like Duncan Robinson and turning him to, you know, a college basketball star, which is what he was. So got to have Duncan on there. Uh, And with my next pick, I'm going with the guy that used to uh, encapsulate uh, college transfers for me. Uh, when I used to think about it, it's Russell Wilson. It's NC State to Wisconsin. Uh, I think maybe because I'm a Big Ten guy and I saw exactly what he did for a guy for a team like Wisconsin. Uh, he was their best quarterback uh, up until that point. I still think he's probably the best quarterback that's ever gone to Wisconsin at this point, just because they had they don't have a lot of quarterbacks and he came in and had an instant impact. He immediately took that team from a good, pretty good. You know, they've got a good. Offense, offensive line, they've got a good run game, they've got a good defense. They were always missing a quarterback, and Russell Wilson came in and was not just like a good quarterback, a great quarterback. Immediately led them to a Big Ten championship. Uh, that, that Wisconsin team was the only team I think could have competed for a national championship, just because of what Russell Wilson brought to them. And I remember talking to my friends and being like, we need to find a guy like Russell Wilson out there that's actually he can run the football, but he's more of a thrower. And then they said to me, it's like, yeah, run." there's not Russell Wilson just growing on trees though. You know, it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This guy is a special talent. He's proved it in the NFL since he's uh, you know, in the Seattle and now in Denver. So uh, I, I think when you think of college transfers, Russell Wilson has to be one of the first guys that comes to your mind. So add Duncan Robinson, add Russell Wilson, I'll throw it to you for your uh, last two picks.
1: Yeah. Uh, when I, when I mentioned, I always write down the guys I think of first. It was Baker and Russell Wilson. And so I, I'm happy you picked him because I was about to pick him if you didn't. Uh, Russell Wilson is definitely one of the guys. Like, And he's not like the original, but it feels like he was one of the first in like this era of transfers. Kind of set the tone. He was a grad transfer, not like these other guys. But, um, yeah, he kind of set the tone. Uh, I like both those picks a lot. Did not think of Duncan Robinson, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, I all of my picks are going to be football. The, I had some basketball guys I thought of, but I, I'm going with all football because I think football has had more meaningful transfers, just because guys stay in college longer, and uh, basketball they kind of they can have one season and get out of there. Uh for my next pick, I'm going with another Heisman winner and a number another number one overall pick of the NFL draft. I'm going with Kyler Murray, another Oklahoma guy, going from a Texas school to Oklahoma, going from Texas AM to Oklahoma. Uh following kinda in Baker's footsteps going from another big twelve school or Kyler, I guess Texas A and M was in the SEC at the time. Um uh, So yeah, Kyler. I mean, was what more is there to say? Kyler was amazing at uh, Oklahoma. The things he was able to do. Follow literally right behind Baker. Watch Baker. The things he did, and then he's like, "Hey, I'm going to do it too." And won another Heisman for the Sooners. Took them back to the playoffs. And if you remember, they played uh, Alabama in the playoffs, and Alabama went up huge in the first quarter, like twenty-one to nothing or something. It might have been twenty-eight to nothing. I mean, it was Alabama had full control. And Kyler Murray said, hey, hold up. And he, he really put in a good showing in that game. I don't know what the final score was. This is purely, like, anecdotal. Like, I I don't have the stats pull up. I just remember the things Kyler Murray was able to do. I was like, okay, he's doing this against Alabama. He, he might be all right as a pro, and obviously scouts agreed with that, too. <laughs> he ended up getting picked number one overall by the Cardinals. The Cardinals gave up on Josh Rosen, and uh, he's one of the most electric quarterbacks in the NFL today. Uh, if you've watched any NFL football, you know that because he's – Awesome, and I, I've been a big fan of Kyler for a long time, so I'm happy to nab nab him. Uh, and with my last pick, I'm going biased. I have to. It's my quarterback, Hendon Hooker. I, I have to pick Hendon. Uh, his story's untold. Uh, We know half the story, and uh, we're we're gonna the rest of it. We're gonna see un, unveil throughout throughout this season. Uh, The things Hendon's been able, been able to do since transferring from Virginia Tech to Tennessee has been incredible. Because like you can, he got benched at Virginia Tech. And like they gave up on him and that just, to, just to know that like watching him for the past two years, it just blows my mind. Even when he came to Tennessee, he did not win the starting quarterback job. He lost to Joe Milton, another transfer. I got that transfer from Michigan. He goes from Virginia tech to Tennessee, a, a program that was on fire when he got there. He didn't come for Josh Heupel. People forget that too. He came for Jeremy Pruitt. He came to a program that was on fire and, he stuck with it. That's just the guy he is. Uh, Joe Milton got hurt. He took over the starting quarterback job and has not looked back. He's put up just crazy numbers this past weekend against Florida. One of the best games a Tennessee quarterbacks ever had. Over 300 passing yards, over 100 rushing yards. Only the second quarterback to ever do that in Tennessee history. And the other is Josh Dobbs, and he was in attendance for the game. Uh, Hinden has skyrocketed into Heisman talk. Tennessee skyrocketed into the top ten, and it's because of Hinden Hooker. It's the things he's able to do on the field. I can't talk more about it. I love him in so, so much. And what he's done for the University of Tennessee is awesome to see. And I can't wait to see how the season uh, goes for him and the Vols. And I can't wait to talk about it all season long. And I'll throw it to you for your last pick.
0: Yeah, obviously love those two picks. Uh, With my last pick, I'm going to give a shout to one of my rivals. I I have two of my rivals down, and I'll just give out one of them. It's got to be Kenneth Walker. He's got to make this list, I feel like. Uh, When you talk about... You know, we, we've talked about so many quarterbacks, but when you talk about a running back transfer, I don't think I think Kenneth Walker tops all of that. I mean, he had back-to-back years of 579 yards at Wake Forest, then goes to Michigan State and puts up 1636 yards. Uh, and with the way Michigan State's looking right now, I'll get into it in this week in sports. But it seems like that 11-win season might have all been Kenneth Walker, just what he was able to do. I know the win against Michigan was basically all Kenneth Walker and what he was able to do against us. So uh, I, I I've come to respect the talent that kevin kenneth walker has obviously you have to because of what he did last year but i think more as we've seen how quickly michigan state's fallen off a cliff without his production in the backfield how how big of an impact he really made and he was i I think maybe the most impactful transfer because i'm gonna talk about it in this week in sports michigan state might go to like a five six win team this year at best uh versus an 11 win team last year so uh I, I I truly think Kenneth Walker has a lot to do with that uh, change in production. So uh don't love giving shout-outs to Michigan State, but uh, Kenneth Walker is one of the guys that deserves it more than anyone. Uh, any alternates that didn't make your list?
1: Of course. I had, from your neck of the woods, J.J. Watt transfer, transferred from Central Michigan to Wisconsin. Justin Fields going from Georgia to Penn State. Uh, Preston Rice going from Murray State to Middle Tennessee State. And uh, good old Dylan Holt going from Livingston Central High School to Murray High School. And those were all my alternates. Did you have any alternates honorable mentions?
0: Yeah, Justin Fields went to Ohio State, not Penn State. But I, I think that was just a <laughs> he went, Yeah,
1: he committed to Penn State. I had, <laughs> he was committed to Penn State in high school. That's my bad.
0: You're all good. And we knew what you were talking about. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Bama to Oklahoma. Completing that trifecta, Uh, like you said, J.J. Watt from CMU to Wisconsin. Uh, And then my my three basketball ones, I I knew I wasn't going to get this far, but if I had to, Seth Curry, Liberty to Duke, uh, Johnny Juzang, Kentucky to UCLA, and Davion Mitchell. I didn't even know Davion Mitchell went Auburn to Baylor. I didn't even know that that was a transfer. So uh, all three of those guys I think are deserving for at least a shout-out on this list. Uh, Wrapping up out of the box – now on. I have question. one more.
1: I have one more. I have one more. All right. The National Player of the Year last year, Oscar Sheboy, West Virginia to Kentucky.
0: Yes. Uh, also makes sense. Uh, that wraps up out of the box. Now on the question and answer. DH, why don't you go first this week?
1: Okay. So I mentioned it at the start of the show, uh, baseball. It's going on. We're talking lots of football for a while now, but baseball's still going. The regular season's wrapping up this weekend. Actually, we'll we'll have playoff baseball next week. And we've seen home run records or milestones being reached. Pujols got 700, like I mentioned. And last night, Aaron Judge hit 61, tying Roger Maris, his uh, mark, his AL record from 1961. And as Judge prepares to hit 62, if he can, and pass Maris, uh, there's lots of people saying that's the record. He would hold the record for the most home runs in a single season in MLB history. I disagree. I I don't like that, and I'm not going to get too much into my take. But do you think that the MLB baseball fans, whatever, should recognize the steroid era records of which, if we counted that, Barry Bonds would have the record with 73 in 2001? Uh,
0: So I'm torn. On one hand, uh, they happen, and I think you're not going to erase history. I think – the the mind is made up of baseball fans like we count them Uh, we all understand you know you might think hank aaron is still the technical home run king but we all know we're chasing barry bonds number like that's that's the true home run number i it it really does i think the baseball fans that are still holding on to that are the ones that are still shouting shouting at clouds making the hall of fame as difficult as it is they're the part of baseball that needs to you know kind of scurry on now on the other hand I'm also just a little bit concerned as a journalist and like as a, as a fan of incentivizing steroid use at any time. Because I, I, I'm not one of those people that thinks it should just be a, totally allowed and totally legal within sports. I, I know there are people that have that uh, point of view. Uh, and if, if you have that point of view, you have to come back and say, w- then where is the chance for a regular human who's just naturally gifted to get to the league who doesn't want to pour those dangerous chemicals into their body and make it that way i i don't think that that's okay and i think you should always if you're physically gifted enough that should be good enough uh if you put the work in you shouldn't have to also because if steroids are legal then everyone has to take them to get to the uh to the pros like everyone that's going to be a professional player is going to be on steroids uh that being said i uh, it, it it happened like I, I, but at the end of the day, you can't erase history when we talk about like vacated wins and vacated records and stuff like that. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't erase the memories from our mind. We all know what Barry Bonds did. Uh, and, and Barry Bonds is also a very interesting case because I think he is one of the most talented baseball players, regardless of steroid use. But he's also one of the most open like obvious cases of steroid use you can look at his body from when he was young to when he was older and how he it's so clear uh it felt so flagrant and if you grew up during that time you understand where some of that anger comes from from barry bonds because he kind of felt like he flaunted it in people's faces especially near the end where they kind of delayed his trials and stuff like that but at the other hand Dude was gifted, regardless of what you think of his steroid use. He was uh, putting up some of the most insane numbers, and and, uh, I I just think those numbers exist. Like, you're going to go find them somewhere. You can't erase those from history. I don't care what you say and what you do. So uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, yeah, you can put the asterisk there. Like, I think that's – at the end of the day, I'm still going to end up at that point. Put the asterisk there if you want. They exist. They're not. You can't erase them from the the from our minds. So uh, that's really where I'm at. You can't you can't get rid of them at this point, uh, regardless of how much you might try. But I want to hear from you.
1: Oh, I think the record's seventy thirty. I I was on Twitter last night and I, I put out a tweet and I deleted it because I was like, I don't want to deal with stupid people. That I mean, literally instantly, people were like, this is ridiculous. Those guys cheated. Blah 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 blah. Everyone was cheating during that era. It's not like it was just these few guys, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds. No, it was like everyone. And that's kind of been, it's not been blatantly said, but it's kind of an understanding at this point. Um, That's just how the era was. And it saved baseball. I I watched the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire 30 for 30 this morning because I had never seen it. It aired on ESPN and I was busy doing something when it aired and I was like, oh, I'll get around to watch it. I never watched it. And they talked about how that home run chase literally saved baseball. And I I was like, wow. I I knew that it had been told to me, but watching it unfold throughout a two hour documentary, it was like, whoa. The Sammy Sosa and Martin McGuire really did save the the fandom of many people. It, they showed how people showed up to games when they weren't. And I mean it's kind of we're kind of seeing it happening this year. Where we're not having two guys duke it out for 61, we had Pujols going for 700, and we've what Aaron Judge has done all year right now, sitting at 61. We've seen when the Cardinals come to town, wherever. Obviously, there's a little boosted with Pujols with this being his last trip around the MLB uh, circuit, but um, people want to see if Pujols sits a home run. Dodger Stadium was sold out last Friday night. I I don't know for sure. I doubt Dodger Stadium every Friday night is just popping because there's a lot of things to do in LA. Every Yankee game this year has been popping, which I mean the Yankees aren't going to struggle to sell tickets. To, it's the New York Yankees, but it's because of Aaron Judge. They want to see Aaron Judge hit a home run. When the Yankees came to St. Louis, that place was sold out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Everybody wanted to see Pujols. Obviously, I mean St. Louis has great fans, and everybody wanted to see Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge didn't hit a single home run in St. Louis, but that, that's a story for another day. These home run chases. They bring excitement to the game. There's nothing like a home run, literally nothing, because you see a human being hit a ball so far it leaves the play field. And it, that's just so cool. Like a slam dunk is awesome. It's incredible. A, a touchdown pass. Awesome interception, all those things are incredible. There is nothing on this planet like a home run. It's and it's almost hard to describe. But when you see a home run, you're like, that that's sick. I, I don't know what it is about it, but that is just awesome. Especially at a major league baseball game, because everybody loses their mind. Everybody's just like, Holy crap, no one Arenado just hit the absolute piss out of that ball. That was incredible. And the excitement, it's just it, it's literally just you have to experience it to understand it. Um, and that's why I, if you can hit a home run, you can hit a home run. And I understand that the steroids helped them a little bit. I I think the argument, the best argument I saw as to why the steroid use was unfair is because it helped those guys stay healthy. And I I had never really thought about that side of the argument. It helped those guys stay healthy and play every day. And I I never really thought about that. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that on the opposite side, I saw a good argument for like, Hey, it is what it is. Uh, everybody knows Jose Canseco. Uh, He's one of the, what a fella, (laughs) is how I'll describe Jose Canseco. He had a very good quote, I thought. He said, let me give you a perfect example. I have an identical twin brother, Ozzy. He's the closest thing to me genetically. And in my prime, I was a super athlete. I was the fastest guy in the game. I was 240 pounds, and I could hit a baseball 600 feet. The best arm in the game. My twin brother used the same chemicals, same workouts, same nutrition. Why didn't he make it in the big leagues? He, explicitive sucked. And, uh, I mean, that's a great point. Even no matter what you use, the nutrition, the steroids, chemicals, whatever, you still got to be good at baseball. You still got to be able to hit a ball, throw a ball, because baseball's hard. So I, I just have a hard time ignoring those numbers, 73 home runs, 70 home runs, 66, all those things that Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa did. That's hard to ignore. Those are three of the most electric players of all time. And we're trying to ignore them. We're trying to erase them. I, I think that's crazy uh, to just be like, well, hmm, if Roger Maris and Aaron Judge, that doesn't seem fair. I, I don't like that. But that's me. I, I, I show my respect, tip my hat to those guys, even if maybe they came up short while everybody, everybody else was coming up short.
0: Yeah, I think you hit all the points there. I'll get on to my question because I don't think I got anything to add, though. Uh, we got word this week. But the NFL is officially ditching the Pro Bowl, uh, opting for more of a, a flag football game, kind of a, a relaxed, more feel, calling it the Pro Bowl games, uh, getting rid of the actual, you know, full contact game. I don't even think it was full contact last year. I, I don't even remember what the, the I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in so long that it's been so long to to actually know what the rule format is Uh and I think this is, you know, this has been a trend. It's something we've talked about with all star games in the past. And I think it really begs the question with the NFL getting rid of the Pro Bowl, Dylan, do you think this is the beginning of the end for all star games?
1: No, I don't. I think they're just evolving. I think all of them are evolving. They should never be playing a full contact all star football game. And I think they should have known that after like 2004 or whatever it was when Sean Taylor was just murdering people in the Pro Bowl. Uh, that, that was, they should have been like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be doing this. And then after like CT, uh, I can't think of the word, the brain disease. See, C- what is it? Do I CTE? It? CTE, I couldn't think of the word for it. Uh, after that research became more prevalent, uh, they should be like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't play uh, an all-star game like this full contact Uh, And then they decided to add an extra game to the season, so they really shouldn't do it. Um, It it just seems like all these things. Let's calm down. Let's play flag football. Let's do all these challenges. Why not? You've got all the best athletes in the NFL. Get them to just do cool things. Have them play a basketball game. Have them play softball. Do stuff like that. Like that. That's what they're not checking in. I don't think to be like we want to watch another football game because those guys aren't. They shouldn't anyways, unless they're Sean Taylor. They shouldn't just go all out and be like, well, I'm going to just lay out Eli Manning every player, whatever it is. Um, they, they should just go there to have fun. That, that's when it was at its best. Like you see the guys in Hawaii, they're all interacting. That's what people want to see, all the stars interacting. Um, and I think the NFL now can get to a, a point where other leagues like the NBA and MLB, they're honoring the veterans of the leagues at these all-star games where it's like, oh, yeah, uh Albert Pujols is an All Star this year. Obviously, well, I mean, Albert's been pretty great lately since the All Star break. But before that, wouldn't you? No one would have thought like, oh yeah, we need to put Albert in the All Star game. Uh, Or in the NBA, they they put Dirk in, they put D Wade in All Star rosters. The NFL can now do this. You don't have to worry about rolling out a veteran and be like, oh, he might get hurt, or they'll turn it down. That's why it's happened a lot of the time. Now it's like, hey, they can show up and hang out. Like I'm all for it. The NFL. The Pro Bowls had a problem with, like, yeah, guys can, like, get hurt badly because it's football. Football is just a barbaric game. That's how it is. You kind of c- got to come to agreements with it and, like, uh, terms with it in your head. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a great thing. There's no point in playing a Pro Bowl, I, I don't think, anyway. Just do other things. And I, from what I understand, they have very good plans. I didn't go into it. I just saw whether they're not going to play the game. And I was like, yeah, good. That There's no point in it, especially after last year. Uh, but I'm curious what your thoughts are.
0: So I do think this is kind of like the beginning of the end. Or that, like you said, they're kind of evolving. I, just, I do think, you know, the, the NFL was the one where their All-Star weekend was the All-Star game. Like the Pro Bowl was it. You know, the MLB has the Home Run Derby and all their All-Star weekend. And the NBA has Slam Dunk contests and everything. I think with this move kind of eliminating the game part of it, I think this is going to shift – the league's focus onto those special events that they have and just kind of, you know, ditch the game part of it. Because at this point, when it gets to the game part, nobody watches, the players don't care, and none of it matters anymore. It's actually more, I remember as a kid, it was like, I could remember each all-star game. Like, that's what happened this year, that year, this year. Now, it's like a rare event that the all-star game is memorable in any of these sports. It's like, Oh, did you hear the all-star game was actually fun last night? It's like, Oh, I might have to go back and watch the highlights so, because it's so it, it it's, it's almost like, Oh, I have to like go out of my way to watch it now. Cause it's such a, it's not even, it's way less fun than a lot of other entertainment. So I do think it be, it would be beneficial. And I think a lot of leagues are going to look at this, see how the pro bowl does uh, and then react. Imagine the NBA puts all of their, all of their talent and actuality into the dunk contest. They just get rid of the all-star game. And if you want to go be a part of all-star weekend, we'll go compete in the three-point contest or the, or the dunk contest. And maybe we'll have guys like LeBron finally go and do a dunk contest because, you know, the best parts of all of these all-star games, the most memorable parts, even back then, were the dunk contest, the home run derby, the, the special events. Anyway, we don't, I'd really couldn't tell you the specifics of any all-star game or what happened during the game. Cause they never mattered. Even when the, the MLB all-star games um, met home field advantage, the, no one cared. Uh, and that's kind of the point. I think it's where finally the NFL is looking at like, Oh, okay. No one cares. Like no one actually watches this. So we might need to do something else. Uh, but uh, it's nice to at least keep something like I, I, I would feel bad if kids growing up nowadays were like, Oh, I didn't even realize there used to be an all-star game back in the day. That would have been a fun thing. I I think in like 20 or 30 years you might see a resurgence of all-star games just because it will seem like a novel thing. Like, oh, you remember when they used to play games and stuff like that? So uh, maybe more of a pause on all-star games than anything. But I do think, you know, put your efforts into the dunk contest, the home run derby, the special stuff that makes the the all-star weekend fun. And I think you'll be able to have a lot more uh, memorable parts of it without you know, putting them through like a nine-inning baseball game that no one wants to watch. Uh, I think that's just where we're kind of headed in the realm of All-Star Games. That's my take on it. We're going to move on to this week in sports. We've got a lot of stuff to react to, college football, uh, pro football if you want to. There's a lot of MLB stuff out there. So, Dylan, the floor is yours. Uh, whatever from last week you want to get into, get on into it.
1: Yeah, um, so... I was at Neyland Stadium, or I was in Knoxville, from 8 a.m. Saturday until about 11 p.m. Saturday. So I basically missed the entire college football Saturday. I literally only saw Tennessee, Florida, which was awesome. I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I, I said last week that Neyland Stadium is at its best, is one of the best when it's at its best. And last weekend, it was at its best. We got into the stadium about an hour before kickoff. I think there were 61 minutes to kickoff when we got to our seats. That place was half full. I've never seen it like that. I've been going to games past 15 years at least, maybe longer. I've never seen it like that. When we got into Knoxville at 9 a.m., the streets were already swarmed with orange and white. I mean, literally, I've never seen it like this because Tennessee football has basically always been bad. when I've been going to games. Uh, The enthusiasm has never been there. Just walking around campus, walking around Knoxville was Awesome. Saw the game day set. Saw Coach Heupel leaving the game day set, uh, which was really, really neat. Got to kind of wave at Coach Heupel, which was cool. Uh, Just walking around Knoxville, eating lunch at Calhoun's with all just – there was a buzz. And we we were at Calhoun's while they did the game day pick. And when Lee Corso put on uh, the Smokey helmet, everybody just lost their mind. And then it's not like people are like cheering before, but everybody was in their laser focus when Lee Corso put on Smokey set. Everybody was like, let's go. They believe. Lee Corso believes in us. Let's ride. And everybody got really pumped up from there. Uh, we left Calhoun's, went to the ball walk, and oh, my goodness. I've been going to ball walks ever since I started going to Tennessee games. Never seen it like that. I could get – we got nowhere near uh, where, like, the ball walk was really. We were just behind people. It was just a huge conglomerate of people, but it was still just so much fun. It was two hours before the game. Everybody singing Rocky Top, just going crazy. And I'm like, we probably need to save this. We're we're all going to lose our voices before the game even starts. Everybody's just going buck wild. Um, Got to see the Heisman Trophy in person. That was really cool. That was on Knoxville on Saturday. Got to see former Vols, Cam Sutton, and Josh Dobbs, which was really neat. Uh, just the whole experience, and then the game was obviously awesome. I told my brother, I've never heard any football game, any place, period, that loud. When the first snap of the game was a defensive snap for Tennessee, I, I started yelling, couldn't hear what I was saying. I was like, the, I had, had my mouth open, I knew I, I know I was saying things, didn't know what I was saying. I, I didn't comprehend myself just because there was so much sound, it was incredible. My my ears have never rang. From a football game, and my ears were ringing. It was absurd. I just no words to describe how loud it was. It was an awesome game. I, I said it on Talking Balls this week. I, I think Hendon Uker became a legit Heisman candidate with that performance because he he played unreal without his top wide receiver Cedric Tillman was out, and Hendon stepped up and just made play after play after play, and is a huge reason Tennessee was able to beat Florida, which. I know, like on a national s- stage, people might think, oh, it's Florida. They're, they're not as good as maybe people thought they were or as they are normally. It doesn't matter. Tennessee still doesn't beat Florida easily, and they're able to beat Florida. And that, and that's a huge win. It's the sec- third time since 2004. It does not happen very often. So it was really, really cool to experience. And then s- Sunday, the Titans, they won a football game. They're 0 2, beat the Raiders. So they're not 2 and 1, or 1 and 2. Uh, so that that was nice. Finally, uh, get that done. Pujols hit his 700th home run on Friday night. I mean, I, I mentioned all these things at the beginning of the show. It's been awesome. Obviously, Miami beat or Middle Tennessee beat Miami, which was really cool. Um, I I was keeping up with Wake and Clemson before the game, and I was like, oh wow, Wake's going to beat Clemson. And then all of a sudden, it flashed up, and I was like, oh well, that sucks. They were so close, and then. The, the rug got pulled out from under him. We got back to our cabin in time for the end of Arkansas, Texas A&M. And, wow, what a heartbreaking loss for Arkansas. Right off the top of the upright. That's tough. I, I, that, was a, that was a tough one to see, especially someone who picked Arkansas to win that game. That, that was tough to see. I was like, there we go. I, I'm back at a 3-0 and again. Nope. They, that, I, that was a tough thing for that kicker. Cam Little is a really good kicker, too. So, that, that was tough to see. Arkansas. That's a weird team. They they're a lot better than they've played. They make they've made so many mistakes in the past few weeks and against Missouri State, and then it caught up uh, to them against Texas A and M. And I still don't think Texas A and M is good. I, I'm still not sold on them. They just they've found ways to win. They're they're fumbling them way, their way into win, not literally fumbling, but like they're just like tripping into wins, which is good for them. But I, I'm not sold on them. And then I didn't see the only NFL game I really watched was the Titans because I was on the road the whole time. But yeah, it, it was a fun weekend watching the balls. That's basically all I got. <laughs> that that was my weekend was consumed by Albert, Albert Pujols and the Tennessee Volunteers. So I want to get your perspective because th- there's probably things that you've seen that I did not.
0: Uh, yeah. So a lot of a lot of mine's going to be a little bit biased uh, in terms of college football. A lot. Of, it's going to sound a lot like last week. Uh at least uh, in terms of my other stuff. But we'll, I'll get into Michigan first. Uh, I'm glad they won. It was a seven-point win over Maryland. Uh, I think Maryland is a really good team. I think a lot of people, it, they, they just have a formula. And, and if you're g- really good at something in college football, it, it really helps you. And they they can throw the football. I mean, Talia Tagovailoa is a good quarterback. He's been in Mike Loxley's system as the starter for three years now. And they've got, I, I mean, I... I would probably say they have the second-best passing attack in the Big Ten right now behind Ohio State. Michigan's probably more talented with J.J. and the receivers, but Tali has been, like I said, he's been in the system for three years. Those receivers have been in the system for a while, and they have a lot of chemistry. They they, they throw the football very well. So uh, And their defense was a lot better than uh, they've always been. I mean, Maryland has always been a pushover on defense, and that's usually where the game gets away from them. They did, they played really well on Saturday and did a lot of things that Michigan wasn't ready for. Uh, I think they'll, they're going to upset either Ohio State or Penn State, probably Penn State. Uh, I think they're probably going to finish third in the East this season. I think they're a really good team this year. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about what happened against uh, uh Maryland in terms of you know only beating them by 7 points uh JJ in his first game against a, a team with any sort of defense uh didn't throw any picks uh, and, and was you know solid with the football i think that's really all you can ask for and by the end of the game he he kind of figured things out uh with scoring and and, and talk about it. I, I I said Blake Corum was a uh, offensive player of the year before the season. That's looking pretty good right now with a uh, 30 carries for 234 yards or something crazy like that. Obviously, uh, Donovan Edwards has been hurt, so it's been tough, but uh, he's been picking up the load. I talked about it uh, earlier. Michigan State, man, that team sucks. Uh, you're paying Mel Tucker 9.5 million years. Uh, Nine point five million dollars a year, uh, and they might lose six straight games right now uh, they've already lost to Washington and Minnesota. Uh, their next four games are Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan uh, i don 't see a win in that i don't see a win in those four games for it. maybe Wisconsin uh, just because Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback uh, but I don't think Tanner Morgan's a great quarterback either, and he diced up that state, Michigan state defense and that's what's it's embarrassing to see how how bad the defense is that they're trotting out there. And at this point, man, I don't know, like they they could lose to, like they could lose to Illinois and Indiana at this point. I don't know how you can look at the defense and say, hey, they're going to stop someone enough for their offense to get on track. I think Peyton Thorne's better than how he's played the past few weeks. Uh, that being said, I mean, the defense is just, they anyone could score on them. I mean, you've got Mo Ibrahim, who I talked about, preseason as one of the best running backs in the big 10, he has been their offense and they just decided, Oh, we'll throw the ball for, you know, 200, 300 yards on you just because we can't, because they can't, they can't defend anyone. So uh, it's really weird to see how bad Michigan state has been. They were bad last year at pass defense, but I don't even think this bad at pass defense. Uh, So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they figure that out. And I mean, I, I can't imagine being in that point where you just paid a guy basically $100 million, uh, and you're in your first year, and you're already like, oh, crap. Like, what? I know his his recruits haven't hit yet. They're going to give him time, obviously. He's got 10 years on his contract. But uh, it's got to be a weird feeling right now when you've hired a defensive head coach and your defense just sucks. Uh, that's got to be just like a really tough – Uh, pill to swallow Uh, before I get off college football I saw some news today it looks like the Pac-12 is in serious trouble of just folding at this point Uh, it sounds like the Big Ten is still actively pursuing Washington Oregon Cal and Stanford and if that were to go through that the Big 12 would end up with some combo of Utah Colorado and Arizona and Arizona State that would leave Oregon State and Washington State; those are the only two teams that I didn't mention there from the Pac-12. They would be conference-less, and I don't see any conference dying to pick up one of those two teams. Washington State at the at times, but like I don't see how the Pac-12 stops it at this point because I don't th- I don't see anyone that they could add uh, that would stop this bleeding from happening because you already got BYU, which is a team that I feel like would fit out there. They're already going to the Big Twelve. Uh, I I feel like this seems to be inevitable at this point. It just is like, what, in what order? You know, does Washington, does Cal go first? I feel like Washington, Oregon, Cal, and Stanford all fit in the Big Ten so perfectly that that's going to happen at some point. They're all just like, you know, pretty good academically, pretty good athletically. They can add a lot to the Big Ten. And then if you lose all those teams to the Big 12, I just don't know how you uh, survive that. So it sounds like, Maybe the Pac-12 is really under fire right now. Uh, And before I wrap things up, shout-out to Aaron Judge. Uh, I talked about it. I'm so checked out of baseball this year with how bad uh, the Tigers have been. But, man, give that man the MVP because he's definitely uh, getting eyes on the sport, like you said, definitely drawing some eyes on the sport. I I don't care what Ben Verlander says. He's definitely better than Shohei this year. That does it for me this week in sports. We'll get into our picks. We've got three we got a huge slate of ranked games this week. Dylan texted me before. We had to pick from a whole bunch of really good games this week. We're going to go with Kentucky Ole Miss. We're going to go with OK State Baylor and Wig Forest, Florida State. Uh, a little smorgasbord from around the country. We'll start with Kentucky Ole Miss. Dylan, uh, obviously ties for you in that one with Kentucky. Who you like in that one?
1: Yeah, um, I'm really glad I missed last week's slate because – and there were good games. There were a lot of good games. This week has a lot of potential. And I this game, Kentucky and Ole Miss, is the game I'm most excited about. Number seven, Kentucky, going to number 14, Ole Miss. Both teams are 4-0. Both teams coming off scares last week. Both at home. Kentucky beat Northern Illinois 31-23. to Northern Illinois is a fiery team. Kentucky should beat them by a lot more than eight. Ole Miss at home beat Tulsa 35-27. to Again, Tulsa is not a bad team. They, they do some good things. Ole Miss should have won a lot by a lot more than they – and before those games, well, Kentucky kind of been playing with their food with most teams. Ole Miss had not. Ole Miss had been dominating people. Coming off a blowout victory over Georgia Tech, they ended up getting Jeff Collins fired. Um, and then Tulsa comes to town and they just played with their food, which was weird. Uh, and both these teams have huge storylines coming into this one. Kentucky, you got Chris Rodriguez, maybe the best running back in the SEC coming back to action. He had been suspended the first four games of the year – and Mark Stoops, while being at Kentucky, the head coach, is 0-10 when going on the road against SEC West opponents. That, I mean, That's pretty glaring. Uh, SEC West is pretty good, if you don't know. And uh, for Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin is pissed off because Ole Miss fans have been just disrespectful to that team. So Ole Miss has been so good the last two years. They leave at halftime to go party. Wait another half. That's all you have to do. And I, he was very mad last week because he was like, we come out of the tunnel in a tough game against Tulsa, and it looks like we're at a high school game. And I I, I agree with him. Like, that's ridiculous. When you've got this really good team with so many talented players like Jackson Dart, um, the running back, uh, Zach Evans, who are both just so, so talented, and you can't get support. That's ridiculous. Top 15 team in the country. And I think they're honestly better than that. It's just they haven't had the chance to kind of display They've got it this weekend against Kentucky. I think Lane Kiffin's going to have those fans pumped up. Kentucky's been playing with their food. If they do that, they're in trouble because Ole Miss is a good team. they got a good defense. Everybody talks about the offense with Lane Kiffin. Ole Miss has played good defense the last two years. I think that's a huge factor uh, with that Kentucky offense, which is hyped up. I'm still not sold on Will Levis. If Chris Rodriguez has a huge day, maybe, uh, but I'm more sold on Jackson Darton, Zach Evans, and the Ole Miss defense. So I'm going with the Rebels to – I guess it's an upset as they're lower ranked, but it's at home. I think this is very much like anybody could come away with a win. So I'm going with the Rebels to beat Kentucky on Saturday.
0: Yeah, Ole Miss is favored by seven, so it's not an upset in terms of Vegas's eyes. I know the range so differently. I saw
1: a TikTok before we started recording, which was very interesting. It's a Vegas trick with the uh, Ole Miss being a seven-point uh, favorite, touchdown favorite, because everyone sees oh. Um, Kentucky's ranked higher. We're going to put money on Kentucky because of their dogs. So the line goes higher and higher. I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, I i I think Ole Miss is the better team. I haven't seen much of either of these teams, but every time I turn on Ole Miss, uh, I know you talk, you said the defense was – that offense just jumps off the page, and it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Whenever I see a Lane Kiffin offense, I'm like, okay, that's that's how you're supposed to play offense in this – era of college football. I think Lane Kiffin's got that part down. And as long as he's got the better quarterback, to the better offense, which I believe he does, and they're playing at home, I think Ole Miss has the advantage over Kentucky in this one. So I think Ole Miss uh, gets this one done, beats Kentucky uh, going with the rebels as well. We'll move on to the big matchup in the big 12. Oklahoma state takes on Baylor. Who do you like in that one?
1: Uh, this is one where I'm like, hmm, I honestly have no clue. Cause I, I like Oklahoma state. I loved Oklahoma state last year. They're, it's hard to say they're coming off a big win. They beat Arkansas Pine Bluff 63-7. to That's kind of what they've done all year, just blowing people out. Uh, Baylor, which they had Central Michigan blown out week one, and Central Michigan kind of made a comeback towards the end. Baylor, they, they bounced back after their loss to BYU a couple weeks ago. They beat Iowa State 31-24, to which beat Iowa State by seven. I'm not super sold on Iowa State. Um, being at Baylor makes me want to pick Baylor. I like Spencer Sanders, and I like what Oklahoma State does on defense. I think Oklahoma State is the best team in the Big Twelve. I'm not sold on Oklahoma. Uh, like I, I know you were preseason. I know I started to get sold on them after the Nebraska game, which makes no sense because we know Nebraska's not good. Kansas State beat them like they always do. Um, and I, I'm gonna go with OK State cause I think I think this might be the year in the Big Twelve. This might be the year to make the playoff. Sneaky. Uh, who do you have in that one?
0: Uh, yeah. So just before we get down, to, I know. Yeah, Oklahoma did take a big loss this weekend. I, I. I was wearing my K State sweatshirt last night. Uh I I've got friends. I, I have a friend that graduated from Kansas State. So big shout out to the Wildcats. Manhattan's a great place. The last time Oklahoma lost their Big Twelve opener at Kansas State, they went on to win the Big Twelve and, and not lose another conference game. So they have they
1: always win the Big Twelve. <laughs> they
0: have history on their side, at least from this side. But uh in this one, back to Oklahoma State Baylor, I, I I I talked about it before this season. I like Spencer Sanders a lot. I think that uh, what he brings to their offense makes them uh, a bit more dynamic than a team like Baylor, who I think – you know, had a really good defense last year is a little bit more balanced this year, and I don't think that plays into Dave Miranda's scheme a little bit. I feel like Baylor needs to be a little bit more defensive minded with their uh with the way that they are so uh if you're not gonna if you can't if Iowa state puts up twenty four points on you, I can't imagine what Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma state's offense is gonna do so I think I like Oklahoma state in this one as well uh take the cowboys uh on. Maybe the most interesting matchup of the week: ACC, Wake Forest, Florida State. Uh, the darlings of Wake Forest almost taking down Clemson last week. Florida State on the rebound, it seems like. But this might be the best team that they faced, even though they very played LSU. So, uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Florida State is so weird because they played—they played like pretty good teams. Like they played LSU week one and somehow won that game. Somehow found a way to win. Played Louisville a couple weeks ago on a Friday night. And it was weird. It was at Louisville on a Friday night. Found a way to win. That, that's what they've done. Last week, Boston College, Phil Jerkovich, that quarterback from Boston College, everybody's like, okay, this can be a good test. Blew them out. 44 to 14. It's like, whoa, okay. Is Florida State for real? And I, I still don't know. I, I don't know what Florida State is. It's hard to put my finger on it. I know they belong in the top 25. I know that much, which they are now. Wake Forest. It, what, I, I, like, I feel like they're good. Like, I, I, but it's weird because I don't know. Because Sam Hartman sat out the first couple of weeks, it came back. They nearly beat Clemson, but they didn't. They couldn't finish. This is a tough one. Like, I think Ole Miss Kentucky's kind of a toss up. This game is also a toss up. And I'm going to give Florida State the edge because they're at home. And I, I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, I think Florida State's got a lot of just great athletes like they always do. That could be the difference maker. This could be the win that we could be like, okay, yeah, Florida State's back. So I, I'm going to go with the Knowles to get a huge win at home against number 22, Wake Forest.
0: Yeah, and the reason I said this game is so interesting, because like you said, I can't put my finger on either of these teams. Wake Forest last week looked like they were going to beat Clemson, lost in overtime. You, you, you'd say that's a good moral win, but the week before, they almost lost to Liberty. They beat Liberty by one point, point. Uh and, you know, Shout out to what Liberty's done in the past few years. They're not supposed to beat a team like Wake Forest or even be close. So uh, then you've got Florida State, and like you said, they've just been up and down. They looked really good against LSU uh, at times, and then managed to out know, with a win. Uh, and then that that game against Louisville, they looked terrible. I, I, I think both teams looked awful in that game. I don't think either team looked prepared to play an ACC opponent yet. Uh, so I. I I want to say this is a, team, this is a game we'll find out uh, about both of these teams a lot about. It. I don't think we will because I just don't know what to say about either of these teams. Uh, Wake Forest could come out and blow out Florida State and be like, oh, okay, maybe Florida State's not as be- good as we thought. That Florida State could blow out Wake Forest, and it's like, okay, that- we probably would uh, expect that because it's Florida State against Wake Forest. I do think when it comes down to it, when you've got that much undecided, undecisiveness, you can't put your finger on it, look to the quarterbacks, you got Sam Hartman. you got a guy that you know can get it done. He's got it done in the the past. Uh, And I think that Wake Forest team, getting him back was the biggest part of their season. Getting him back uh, puts them in a whole different level, a whole different stratosphere of what they can do. So uh, I'm going to take Wake Forest to get a big uh, road dub in this one. I think it's at Florida State. So Uh, big road dub for the Demon Deacons, uh, and that's going to do it for our picks, and that's going to do it for the show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we get going?
1: Yeah, I'm just happy that Tennessee doesn't play this weekend because I'm going to watch all these games that we mentioned, and there's plenty more. There's just tons of great matchups. Like Clemson-NC State plays this weekend, which is going to be a great game, Um, and obviously the NFL slate's going to be good except for a good weekend of football, I'm on fall break. That's the great thing about working out of school. So after, as you are listening to this, my last day of work for a week. So I get a week off and just going to watch football, watch a whole lot of baseball. So the next time we come to you, it's going to be playoff baseball time. And that's really, really exciting. So yeah, that's all I got, uh, I guess. See you next week.
0: I've never heard of fall break. Is that, do you work at like a year? Yeah. Michigan does not have fall break.
1: Yeah. We always do fall break.
0: It's like the first or
1: second week, October, you get a week off
0: never had that before we but, also we also start later we also start yeah after- exactly yeah, yeah so
1: we start like beginning of august that, so,
0: that's probably yeah. it yeah okay but that's interesting never heard of fall break before until right now so uh, anyway does like uh,
1: does central michigan do fall break no really
0: no but they only went back like last the week before like Colleges only start like late August here too, so it's 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 a little bit later here for Michigan in terms of like we don't get out until mid June too, so it's a it's a bit yeah that's
1: yeah we get out like beginning of May
0: yeah so
1: wow that's interesting interesting that's
0: gonna do it from the Dylan Dylan Show here is where you can find us you can find uh, the show at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram you can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at tunnelvision sports underscore on TikTok and twitter at underscore tv sports facebook and linkedin at tunnelvision sports and on the web at tvsportsmac.com thank you so much for listening everyone have a great weekend and we'll see you all next week see you later